0: Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Error monitoring is provided by Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to linode.com/slash changelog.
1: This episode of the React Podcast is brought to you by ReactTraining.com. In-person hands-on training for development teams from React community leaders and experts. Visit reacttraining.com to learn more about our upcoming workshops. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the React Podcast. I am your host, Michael Jackson, and I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. Jared Palmer. Say hi, Jared. Hey, how's it going? So Jared, if you do not know who Jared is, you've probably been kind of living under a rock. Jared has been doing a lot of cool stuff recently in the React community. Most recently, he released a library called AfterJS. He's done a library called Formic and another one called Razzle. As well as lots of other stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to get started with Jared. By the way, he's he's in New York City. So if you're in New York City and you want a cool person to hang out with,
0: yep. uh, I'm around anytime. time. Um, oh, and you also do like a bunch of reason stuff, right? You run the reason meetup in, yeah, in New try, York. Yeah, try, trying to. It's it's been it's been you know it's hard to get speakers. Everybody's everybody's it's big in europe it's big in in, in in on the west coast but it's it's hard to find a consistent number of speakers i'd have to say for the reason meetups but yeah we're do, we're trying to do we're trying to do another one soon yeah the reason uh, community is it's still very very young but um but if if if
1: anywhere you could find a, a meetup that that i think would work it'd probably be new york right you could probably lots of developers in new york lots of talent yeah the
0: the one we did the one we did last summer was very well attended there were like uh, 50 60 people there it's pretty cool well, hey, I'm, I'm I'm
1: getting ahead of myself. Um, I I just wanted to talk about a couple of these uh, projects that you've been working on. So uh, so let's start with Razzle, which I think yeah. is uh, it's not directly related to React, but it is a you know I think it'll be really interesting to the people listening to the podcast because it is a a JavaScript library, right? It's for making universal JavaScript apps.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Razzle was. It's a build system, so it's basically a thin layer over Webpack. And what's cool about it is that it actually is, as you mentioned, completely framework agnostic. And what I mean by that is you can use it with anything you can use Webpack with. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the common thread there being JavaScript, but if you wanted to use it with Vue or you wanted to even work on some, uh, even add like Elm to it, or if you wanted to do stuff with Reason, you can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the default is React, um, and the the reason I sort of built it was I had uh, I was like a really early adopter of a of a project called Next.js, mm-hmm. and I probably like jumped on, and I was using it for a pretty big project. And there's just like a lot of churn, and now it's come you know it's it's miles ahead of where it was back even just that like a year and a half ago or so. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to this project called um, Kit by the New York Times K Y T, and that's their like Webpack setup for isomorphic universal apps um for server-side rendering and and stuff and that was cool but it was still pretty opinionated and i wasn't really in control of the project mm-hmm. but i liked this idea uh that um kent dodds and, and dan Abr- abramov have been uh championing which is like build a toolkit don't build a boilerplate mm-hmm. and i had this like boilerplate actually that was pretty popular called like react uh production starter i don't know why i decided to call it that but it was it was pretty popular mm-hmm. um and I was like, ah, I need, really need to upgrade this, and it seems like it's probably a good time to just d- to do that. And so what I did was I, uh, I built a toolkit, much like Create React app, actually, but with um, server-side rendering kind of like ready to go. And by the time I was done, I was like, wait a minute, React's not actually what I've sort of, like, this is not dependent on React at all. Mm -hmm. Um, This could be used for a whole host of stuff. So if uh, if you're going to use uh, Razzle, you're also going to buy into Node.js on the back end. Is that right? Uh, well, not for like necessarily your API, but to the extent that you need it for server side rendering, then yes. But I guess if you're doing server rendering in React, like you don't have many options except for using Node. Absolutely. Yep. I think there may be like one other, one or two other, pro- like the PHP thing, but I haven't seen much use of that or heard many yeah. people using that.
1: I built a little uh, standalone thing. Uh, I don't know if I showed that to you. Was, I called it React Standard IO.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw that. React I've seen STDI. that.
1: It's, That's pretty it's, cool. It's nothing like fancy. It really is just a little. Uh, script that just, you point it to a component and then, and it, anyway, I was uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, taking that a little bit further and wrapping that up into like a, you know, a library for PHP or, a, you know, a, an Elixir library or something. I actually, had a no, it, it,
0: com- it would come in handy, to be honest. Like uh, I was working on some some WordPress site and I really yeah. wanted to use a, a nav bar that I had written in React and I was like, uh, be great if I could server render this. Yeah, yeah.
1: I feel like the, the two worlds are, they're going to converge at some point and it's going to be beautiful when they do. Hopefully, hopefully. So you were kind of scratching your own itch. Now, why don't you, why don't you let us know, like, what, what kind of stuff are you building? You work at the Palmer Group, right? Yes,
0: yes, yes. So um, what, are you, what are you guys doing there? So we're building a lot of applications for um, ourselves uh, and also um, our clients, which range from like big media companies to Fortune 500 companies to um, trade associations uh, at varying levels of sophistication uh, with with respect to their engineering teams. And so, um, a recent project of mine that I've been working on for a while has been this um, Pinterest-like UI for one of our best. That's the best way to describe it for one of our for one of our clients. Okay. And that's needed this kind of r- of Razzle as a build system or right. sort of setup where, or I should say, tooling, I guess, uh, with um, Server-side rendering, uh, and then also React Router Four, which is a bigger reason also why I didn't really to scratch. You talked about scratching the itch, was one of the reasons why I really wanted to um, build something uh, that could leverage React Router Four that uh, with a server-side setup. So awesome. that's where Razzle kind of sort of felt. That's what sort of prompted Razzle, and then also after about six to eight months of doing doing that. After JS is basically the way I've been fetching data, abstracted into a library of components.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I've been—I'm uh, actually really glad that you built—you uh, know—Razzle in After JS. Uh, Ryan had had built something back in the day called the React Router Mega Demo. And there were a couple of, uh, a couple of people I know who just like, did you ever see that thing? The react router? Yeah. 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 It, it was for like early versions of react router. And I know a couple of people just kind of forked that thing and like made their whole sites from it. You know, um, I, talked to, I talked to, uh, I talked to uh, Mark, uh, Dal Gleisch down in Melbourne, Australia. And he, he's, uh, he was building, uh, you know, his whole product basically, he was like, yeah, we just forked, uh, that thing and, and, and just built our product based on that. I think in general, uh, a lot of people have kind of had this question about like, okay, so react router, we're using it. How do we do server-side rendering with it? How do we, you know, tie it into the rest of our, you know, the rest of the app that that we're building here. Um, and nowadays, whenever anybody asks me that question, I just, I just point them to after I'm like, well, this guy did it. Take a look. Um, so
0: anyway, it was, that's a and personal that, thank you to me. me no yeah. well, you're very welcome actually after came from like I saw a gist because I stalk Ryan's gists all the time mm-hmm. um, it's one of my favorite things to do no um but um <laughs> he wrote it he but Ryan's got some great gists to yeah. to there and he he did like this he did a uh, when React Router four obviously came out it was pretty controversial mm-hmm. um uh once I I got the hang of it I like saw the light. But um, people were still really confused about static route configuration, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and, and still they are pretty confused about it because in the concept of React Router 4, for everyone who's listening here that hasn't played with it yet, um, what a route means to React Router 4 is very different than what a route means in other frameworks and such and even other libraries in React. Um, it's just a component. And so wrapping your head around that takes a second. And one of the cool like, demonstrations, which to you, to you and Ryan's credit, you guys sort of had in mind, which is that like, even with components, you can, have, you can do static analysis. And so mm-hmm. that's where this example sort of demonstrated how to like, take an array of your components, r- uh, run through it. Um, maybe grab well, I mean, a, do that all the time, right? You, you, right, you yeah. go and you
1: fetch some data from the server or whatever, and maybe you've got a list of items that you want to render. And so, you know, in your render method, you just sort of map through those and churn out a bunch of list items or whatever. It's Yeah,
0: it's, it's not too much different. The only, I mean, gotcha, I guess, is um, back to the ES6 part of all this is... Um, I like to co-locate the data fetch mm-hmm. with the component itself, mm-hmm. similar to the way Next.js works. With, and I do that with a static met- method, just like get initial props. That's really the, one of the super brilliant ideas of, of Next. Mm-hmm. And that's where you I copy that into into after. But you know, you could just put that on your array, like whatever the, the promise is going to be that you're returning to get your data or your initial props. Mm-hmm. You know, That could be put anywhere. Um, there are actually some benefits to not putting it on the component, believe it or not, which is kind of interesting. Oh, um, for sure. You yeah. could do so Because that allows you to like side load it while you're lazily loading the component and such.
1: So you're talking about keeping the, for example, the query for your data separate from the component that
0: actually needs it, is that? Right, because then you can basically load the component up um, lazily while you're also like in parallel fetching data for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make you it a static load property the of that component. For... Exactly. Yeah. Um, some of the things I've been
1: thinking about with after... Um, so so let's, so, let's talk about After um, because, you know, it's it's built as kind of a, a Razzle plugin. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So initially when I did it, I was kind of lazy. Well, initially when I did it, I was like, okay, like there was, I'm going to just do some, I'm going to take like Razzle and like, I basically copy and paste it most like 85% of the code and messed with the paths mm-hmm. to like make it work with After and like make, like just starting it up really easily. And that's, it was like basically immediately after I shipped it, I was like, that doesn't make sense to have two of my projects share 85% of the same code. Like that's nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I rewrote after with TypeScript and ended up just publishing it as the components parts Mm -hmm. and making a starter, a sort of like a, a starter example with, with Razzle. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so it took out the build system. It was sort of outside of the scope of the project and unnecessary, Mm -hmm. but, um, Still, yeah, exactly that it basically gives you everything you need out of the box to have dynamic server rendering with react react router uh four and um, uh, lazy um, or code splitting yeah. sort of, uh, code split routes yeah yeah it's it's cool you know we uh
1: you know when we were writing the react router docs, uh, I think at a certain point uh you know Ryan just sort of kind of punted on it and was like, you know what?" It, if you're, if you're doing code splitting and you're doing server rendering, like good luck, basically. Um, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of questions there, right? Like how do you, you know, are you going to code split based on routes? Are you going to code split based on the components? Um, what kinds of decisions did you make, uh, when,
0: when you were doing after? Uh, that's a a great question. One of the things that, in the initial project guidelines was that it must work well with typescript and we use mm-hmm. typescript all the time i like typescript a lot i'm excited to see where this babel 7 plugin for typescript um, or preset goes that would help a lot but for the moment like we're still using regular typescript compiler and what that mm-hmm. means is certain libraries such as uh, react loadable which is uh really really popular for code splitting mm-hmm. requires a babel plugin but for after, I wanted to make it so that it would work with code splitting, but not require a Babel plugin per se. So it would be compatible with our infrastructure. And that means basically that I used um, perhaps not as a, I I used the Airbnb method, basically, Mm -hmm. is what I like to call it. Uh, There's a great article on Medium uh, about how Airbnb does code splitting now. Yep, I've read that. Um, And it's this very similar method to that, where basically you ensure the route is ready on the client. So you're not actually using Babel then? Nope, not well. Well, by default, you um, by default Razzle ships with Bab- Babel, but on our projects, we actually remove the plugin, the Babel yeah. plugin entirely because it slows it down.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're using TypeScript.
0: Yeah. Um. How how is that
1: been going? I mean, that's I feel like that's a whole new like that's a whole new can of worms, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. I probably need to write a blog post about it, but we I was using uh Flow and. I think flow is a great, great thing, but you know, we took we had like a, a moment where we looked at our, our the number of third party modules that we had in our projects that were typed by the community and versus the number of untyped modules, mm-hmm. and if you've ever gone through the fun and pleasure of of adding your types to code that you didn't write, um, it's it can be painful and, and downright confusing to be to be fair, mm-hmm. um. And then we looked at the TypeScript ecosystem, and just you know, if you go to Google as a proxy, if you go to Google and search like TypeScript versus Flow type searches, or if you look at npm MP- installs, you know, it's ten to twelve x the size. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, just from an ecosystem perspective, we we like just looked at how many modules were had full community support mm-hmm. uh, or community types for, and it was like eighty five percent. Yeah, and. Yeah. The other thing I'd say about TypeScript, and I think is nice, is that uh, flow is really, really good, uh, has better, probably is, you'd say, better type inferencing. Mm-hmm. But what I found, at least, and this is just my personal opinion, is that by like trying to have better type inferencing, it sometimes means that the errors are not, like, not co-located where the actual problem is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas TypeScript, where it's like, not as perhaps um, as advanced of a type inferencing system, like it it's wherever the error is basically is like where the type the wherever the, 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 the error message tells you it is, is like where it actually is. Mm-hmm. But that also might've been my like naivete about, about, about flow in general, but no, that sort incredible. of was my experience with it. That's incredibly valuable, right? Like
1: uh, just the, it's, it's so often like overlooked, but um, I think uh, Vijou was the one who first described it as, you know, developer experience or DX, right? Like just, just, uh, uh and, and, I've seen, you know, lots and lots of stuff from people who will, you know, they'll, they'll like, apparently Elm, uh, I haven't done a lot of Elm, but I've seen a couple of like Elm, uh, you know, screenshots from the compiler where it's just like, you know, in human language, like just really nice and telling you like, Hey, there's a problem with your code right here. You probably meant this or that kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. I think that's like, talk about developer experience. That is like the pinnacle of it. Error messages are huge. I mean, yeah, when stuff goes wrong, wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, that was one of the things about react itself that, um, that I really loved, you know, I mean, previous to, to react, you know, you might get a, a blank page or, or, a you know, something wouldn't work and, and you open the console and nothing. Right. um, one of the things that I love the most about uh, React is you just get
0: these nice error messages right there in the console. Absolutely. Also, React empowers like library authors to write great error messages. Like one of the things, like yeah, Informic, that I do. The community has like, followed suit, right? The community has yeah, followed
1: like, that example. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like um, what I use in Informic, it's a form library. If you forget to pass a certain prop. Uh, which is very, like you need a name prop to for formic to figure out like w- what field you're trying to operate on. Mm-hmm. If you forget that, like I just take the outer HTML from the synthetic event that react gives me mm-hmm. and I print it to the console and so I show you which input it is. Oh wow. like so that like one, that, that one was right there that's it's the that one that's with, with that, that, that class name and exactly <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah just but to to your point like with the typescript it's like I don't know if they're 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 necessarily like like more human readable but they just tend to be more lo- like co-located to the actual problem mm-hmm. which is super 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 big. Um and then you know to be fair though the biggest thing is the community. Like the typescript community is huge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Has all the angular guys behind it and girls and stuff and so that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, agree. So we kind of, we kind of segued a little bit there into Formic, didn't we? That was another uh, library that I wanted to, that I wanted to talk to you about. Forms without the tears is, yeah. uh, is the tagline for Formic. So I'd imagine in the, in the line of work that you're in, you said, you guys do a lot of client work. Um, there's probably a lot of Forms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. You, were, you were somebody who felt that pain firsthand and decided to scratch, again, scratch your own itch. Exactly.
0: So what happened was, uh, I think Dan tweeted this out. He was like, what, was, what should we work on in React? And like context and state management, you know, the, the, the obvious ones were there. Mm-hmm. But then also in the, res- like the gathered responses was forms. At around the time of that, I was starting on this massive administrative dashboard basically a big crud app too and i was gonna have like 30 40 forms and quite quickly it became obvious that like we should pick a validation library and just stick with that yeah that was like step one and then after that it was like um i found this this higher order component written by brent jackson who you know is a is a prolific open source like force at this point for sure um and it was, I think, one of one his example. He just had this like tiny um, higher higher component that was written with uh, recompose, and it kept track of value and 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 um, values and touched. And it was for like a form, and it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I started with that, and then that sort of I I took out the recompose eventually, and ended up building this like tiny helper that just kept track of values, uh, errors. And touched state for all your inputs. Okay. And it just initially, I didn't even like pass context or anything like that. It just passed down props. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you uh, passed down props for the state. And then also it had like, you could reuse ha- the handler. So mm-hmm. um, you well, it was pretty in, in React, even in the docs, it shows you in forms, like if you want to uh, save some time, you can reuse the same change handler by using um, an ES6. Um, Trick where you take the event.target.name dot name and you make that the the key at which you're going to update state yep. right at yep. least sort of and you pass that around. Yep. So that's basically what Formic did in the beginning. They could just keep all the values in state of all the fields in the form, and you just wire that up mm-hmm. um, uh, as needed. And then just again, it used the name the name attribute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just like kind of working. Left it uh, mm-hmm. sort of with all our projects. Sort of let it like we dog food it mm-hmm. um, on our own, and then. I was like okay, uh, I was like this was, was July 4th and I was like, I think it's time to, to, to really uh, to push this out. So I pushed it out and it from from there it sort of grew into a whole different animal now that it does stuff with arrays, which was the biggest the, the latest release and now there's this cool pub sub thing I'm working on. and you've got with Formic you decided to offer both.
1: you've got a higher order component here and you got a render prop.
0: yeah, so first it was a it was a higher order component. Then it was a render prop when I, I sort of saw the the light. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. and it still it still is a higher order component, and yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it uses the React Router trick where you can make a higher order component with a render prop. Oh, render prop,
1: nice. So so how has so you're writing all your forms with Formic now?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I wouldn't say that. So like, I think Formik. I think people want Formic to be the like for every single form, but I really still think it's for about eighty five percent. Yep.
1: I like that. So some forms you're just going to say, you know what? I just don't need this. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, so I mean, I say that about some apps, right? That that don't need React Router. I'm like like I built several apps without React Router after having written React Router, right? It was like, you know what? This app just doesn't need it. Like it's it's a single page app or it's a or maybe it's got like one or two pages, right? Like it's not a big uh thing that needs a lot of like routing i mean when you talk about uh you know the router we can prevent navigation and we've got like you know prompts and things like that and 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 redirects and things and and if you're not doing any of that kind of thing like maybe all you need is a couple of links right
0: totally um you know being able to i, th- I think some some examples of things like you don't want to use format for, like if you have like a search bar mm-hmm. right like or like if there's no validation, mm-hmm. um. Yes, it's a very quick way to, to wire up um, bi-directional state, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like... Maybe I just need a couple of default values and then they submit and much. we're fine, you yeah. know? Exactly. There are, there are times when
1: it, it's, it's probably overkill. Mm-hmm. So you'd say it works, it works best in situations when...
0: Finish that. You want to have extremely rich validation um, and logic without the boilerplate.
1: Yep. I like that. I like that. Um, and so you said you were building it actually for
0: like a big dashboard. Yeah, well, it was like a big crud app yeah. that was like, thir- like probably 15 or 16 uh-huh. unique uh-huh. F- views sure. with forms. Ooh. And so Ooh. with like lots of business logic and stuff. Ooh. And so <laughs> it was, it was, it wasn't one of those things where like there was like, a- am cringing over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it was one of those things where it seemed like very, almost Day three, it was like, oh my gosh, we need to yeah. standardize this yeah. first. It was, and we started at the bottom. We started by standardizing yeah. our inputs and in our CSS class and all all that. And then I was like, well, we really need to figure out how we like get the data into our forms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and standardize that too, because mm-hmm. um, that's basically the three things that Formic like really, really, really excels at is helping you put a process around transforming your. Uh, props into form state
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then getting the form state back out, mm-hmm. um, whether that's setting up to an API or using that elsewhere in your application. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and just by, and then I love by that. doing so, as a second order effect, you end up standardizing your inputs and making those super reusable because mm-hmm. they all have the same interface. And like, they're, you know, little things like a different name for a change handler in your, or, or for a prop, like can be really annoying to keep track of, like across a code base or across a team. Mm-hmm. So just like by standardizing that too, you end up getting like a lot of benefit from just doing those little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where it started and, and grew from. Cool.
1: Yeah. I like, uh, naming things, right? Consistent naming of things is huge. Uh especially when you're working on a on a team. Well awesome. So so we've man, we've covered a lot of ground. I feel like we've talked <laughs> about uh you know just about just about uh everything that that you're working on these days. Is there is there anything that I have left out? Just browsing around your GitHub page, there's uh oh, oh. <laughs> there's
0: React functions. Oh yeah. That one's pretty cool. Yeah it's it's fun. That 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 was like what ended up happening was um fun fun fact for those listening i started working on that while i was at a react training uh seminar so oh um, nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i I dropped in on ryan's seminar in the city okay um and there was a part of it where he was going over it was been the scroll component cool which is a render problem and i was like Uh, Scroll this would be uh, and I had just in a a, a couple other applications done my own like geo position component that's also was also very similar to the one being demonstrated. And so I was like, somebody should just get all go through MDN, uh, the the Mozilla developer docs and just like all of them and just knock them out. And then I would and then like that would be easy to install Mm -hmm. Uh, because I had like geo position in like four different projects of mine. Yep. And so that's where I was like, oh, I should probably start this out. You've so got
1: geo position, you've got scroll position, you've got yeah. you know media queries, listening to those things. Um, you know the, the the network online offline uh, APIs. You've got so so many uh, you know imperative APIs that the browser has built in, and you've basically taken them all and made them uh, you know just wrapped them in React components. Never have to do it again. Now I've got a component for that, right?
0: And that's what's so beautiful about React. Um, it just makes that. You know, you you. At your talk in the at the New York meetup, you touched on this. Like by remove by just just by by making anything that seems imperative, you can put it into its own component at this mm-hmm. point. And I think that's such an awesome awesome mm-hmm. paradigm and way to look at the to, to way of looking at UIs. Yeah, it's you know, and and it's just like building little little abstractions on top, right?
1: Like we don't need to build like a ton of stuff, but if I can just make a little component that models this imperative behavior in a declarative way, now it's, you know, super reusable. I can give it to somebody else. They can reuse it in their app. And, and I can also, one, one other thing that I love about using these components is, you know, if I'm looking through your render method and I see a network component or a media component or, you know, a, a scroll position component, right? The, these these components that are modeling these imperative behaviors, uh, it immediately communicates to me what that component is doing. You know what its job is, um, instead of instead of just like a on scroll handler or a you know on uh, or, or or some like code hidden away in a component did mount that's doing you know some imperative work. Uh, you know, listening for network changing or for a query string, or sorry, uh, a media query changing, or, so, or something like that. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's super awesome.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's one of those. Um, yeah, I always strive to be very declarative, and, 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 and whenever I'm writing, move stuff to the render method. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm curious about your take on this too. Uh, when the async um, stuff lands, Ooh. and what and and the stuff that's going to move into render that has traditionally hasn't been there. Yeah, you
1: you know it's funny. Um, the more I talk to the React team about the async stuff that they're doing, and the more I like I'm watching the the RFCs coming through in the you know the React JS RFCs repo. Um, the more I'm I'm reading through and learning about really what they have in store. I'm looking at the entire React ecosystem, and I'm thinking a lot of this is going to change. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, yeah, it's yeah, every, world changing. Everything needs to sort of change to become async aware. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to alarm anybody and say that like stuff's going to break because it's not the,
0: the React team. Everything's going to yeah. break. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, there's, I think there's going to be different problems. And I think that's a big, that's a big deal, yeah. right? Cause we have so many components and helper libraries and patterns mm-hmm. That have emerged to solve this, like React synchronous problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and there, um, and I just think, yeah, there yeah. are different
1: patterns emerging uh, as everything as, as we start to put async first, right? Um, so, for anybody listening, um, you know, I should probably, you know, say what we mean by async. Um, I mean, as far as as far as I've seen, uh, basically, you know, asynchronous in React or or that you you know you've also heard of react fiber it's basically the the ability that react has to um basically to prioritize different kinds of rendering right and so you know some rendering uh is is higher priority um and some has lower priority and uh some rendering you know needs to happen after you know you do a fetch for some data and uh you know maybe it's maybe it's um or you know a fetch for for an image and you decode the image in the browser, and only then are you actually ready to render that thing right and so so you know traditionally um, you know we haven't really uh it, it, at least not to my knowledge front end uh, UI javascript frameworks have haven't really tackled that problem head on or 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 haven't really um invented any really good primitives for solving that problem, right It's just kind of like, well, you know. If you're going to fetch an image and it's going to display, um, you know, put a height on it so that you won't trigger a re-layout when that image finally loads. Um, can we can we do better than that, right? Can we can we avoid the flash of content um, altogether? Um, and and how can we do that? Some obviously, you know, some fetch operations, uh, and, and it's hard to generalize because some fetch operations you want to sort of show a change immediately some you want to do in the background some you want to delay until the data that uh, that you want to display is is ready to show um so anyway anyway uh there are a lot of things to think about i i just think that um the the one thing that i think is really going to to sort of save us and make this whole thing very very easy uh is the fact that we are all programming with components now um And people who, who've listened to anything else that I've said, uh, are probably get tired of hearing me say this, but like just use components, right? Um, if you, if you're using, uh, components, uh, then you're, you're programming within the react paradigm, right? You're programming within the react model. Um, and the react team themselves are going to be shipping components, uh, to, to help address some of these problems and to help to solve, uh, some of these problems. I think we saw in the, uh, in the new context context, sorry, API, uh, that Andrew Clark, uh, proposed, um, which, uh, was based on, a, a the react broadcast API, you know, it's, it's just, it's just components, uh, with a render prop. Um, and, uh, I think that as long as, you know, as long as you're building components, as long as I'm building components, as long as, People are building their apps with components, the uh the path to migrate forward will be fairly clear. And and it also makes them a lot easier to, you know, to automate that process, do things like code mods and things, you know, because Yeah,
0: I think they're gonna need to do some of that for yeah. sure. The code mod stuff. Yeah. Like I think I think the thing that gets me kind of like my mind really spinning is moving fetches into render. Yep. Like that is that seems so antithetical to what I'm used to seeing, mm-hmm. and yet such a good idea at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, finally getting used to looking at React, looking at a component and knowing where everything is. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you, but, yeah. the, but then moving some of that logic into render is going to be wild, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, it'll be it'll be exciting to see
1: how it all plays out. I think uh I think, you know, some of that stuff it's it's already into uh the React code base. Some of it is is going to be released in 16. Uh, three and then um, and then you know even more in in the next major
0: version so yeah like a thinking about what react 18 or 19 is going to look yeah. like is is a fun exercise yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's certainly a cool uh, Quite different a cool pro- look there's big money on the line from if, you, if you're Facebook if you're you know if you're mm-hmm. in 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 really pushing the limits to this to this stuff mm-hmm. and certainly uh, async rendering is going to be a he- open the door for a, 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 an enormous amount of new ui uh possibilities i am personally just
1: stoked that that uh the facebook team is actually you know thinking about these problems and solving them uh on on a fundamental level because you know they're 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 not scared of it like they're not just punting on it they're not pretending like these problems don't exist they're they're facing them head on and saying okay so how do we You know how do we take that user experience that we've got right now on the web and take it to the next level? And maybe we can provide a couple of primitives that are going to help people, um, you know, to to be able to. You know, we used to say that React, you know, helped you fall into the pit of success. Um, Well, there's still like this very scary async land where you know it's not very easy to fall into the pit of success. And I think uh, I think maybe they can make that a little bit easier with. Uh, with a couple of components. Um, my goal actually is one of my goals is to get Andrew Clark on here before too long. Uh, I've already talked to him about coming onto the podcast and get him on here and, and just really, he's working like, on some cool stuff. Yeah. Just really dive deep into like, okay, so what, you know, what, what is this going to look like? And, and, you know, what are the, what are the problems that they've been, that they've been facing? All right, well, Jared. Hey, man! It is always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. And um, anything uh, anything else that you wanted to kind of sh- give a you know give a shout out or say anything else before we wind it up?
0: No, I think that's uh, covered it. You know, I'm truly truly thankful that uh, took the time out of your day to to to, to spend with me. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, no worries. So, so uh, again, Jared Palmer. He's with the Palmer Group in New York City. He's Jared Palmer on Twitter, I believe. I followed you like a long, long time ago. So I I forget the uh, the Twitter handles. Jared Palmer on Twitter and on GitHub. And thank you so much, Jared. And we will see you next time on the React podcast.
0: All right. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the React podcast hosted by Michael Jackson. Michael runs the ever awesome React training. Check that out at reacttraining.com. And of course, bandwidth for changelog.com is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Air monitoring is provided by Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to linode.com changelog. Check them out and support this show. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.